You are listening to the Dream for Others podcast with Naomi Arnold, episode 8. Dream for you, dream for me, dream for others. And now your host, award-winning life and business coach, Naomi Arnold. Hello there, dear listener. Thank you so much for joining me today. The topic that I'm going to talk to you about in this episode is one that you have probably heard spoken about many, many, many times before. However, like so many things, it can sometimes take us a while to find a theory or an approach or maybe a framework or practice that works for us. And sometimes it can take us a while for a message to truly sink in, even if it's one that we've heard a number of times. We seem to sometimes just need to hear it explained in a slightly different way or maybe by a different person with a different tone or way of explaining things in order for it to really click or awaken a deeper knowing of sorts. So the topic I'm here to chat with you about is how to process your fears and the stories of your inner critic, particularly those that are getting in the way of you achieving your goals or living the life that you want to live. There are so many different models and exercises out there for how you can work through fears and the inner critic. But the one I wanted to share with you is one that I've been using myself for pretty much as long as I can remember now. I used to consciously take myself through the process by writing down the steps and the questions that I'm going to share with you on this episode and responding to them in my journal Every single time I felt a fear get in the way of something I want or every time I felt my inner critic might be holding me back from something that I want. With practice over time, I've got so good with this process that I don't really need to write it down anymore most of the time. It just happens very quickly in my mind and a lot of the time I don't even realize that I'm doing it because it's just become so well-practiced and effective for me. I give the framework to many of my both business coaching and life coaching clients as it often helps them as well. So fingers crossed, you will find it useful too. Now, if you would like a infographic that summarizes the process for you so that you can refer back to it later and you don't have to put this podcast episode on, uh, you can find that on my free resources page on my website. I'll pop it in the show notes for this episode too, so you can easily find it. Okay, so the first step in the process is aware. You must Of course, first become aware that there is a fear holding you back or your inner critic is getting in the way somehow. In doing so, you want to become super aware of everything your inner critic or negative voice is saying to you. What is the story? What are you scared of? And what triggered it to speak up in the first place? When I explain this framework to people, I like to use the example of public speaking. You see, I've had a phobia of public speaking since I was in high school. I can even pinpoint the very moment where it started. 
I was standing in front of my English class delivering a speech on the use of phallic symbols in the footy show, an Australian football show. I remember feeling the physical sensation of nerves and fear as I spoke. There was this heat and trembling traveling through my body and from that moment forth, Every time I did public speaking, including even today, a rash would spread up my chest and up my neck and over my face. And people would often comment on the rash too, like, let me know it's there. <laughs> even though I could feel it without having seen it, I knew, I knew that it was there. So from that moment forward, I have feared and avoided public speaking. Despite getting top marks on that speech and positive feedback every time I've done speaking ever since. When I started my own business, I started to get inquiries about speaking and I pretty much always found an excuse to say no. I had a little one at home and often he was the best excuse ever. I just wasn't available for that, that time. I didn't have care and so, oh, what a shame. I, I couldn't do it. Then one day I started to question myself here. Do I really hate public speaking? Maybe if I gave it a try, would I like it? And is my avoidance of it perhaps sabotaging my business growth? My business coach and strategist at the time, Megan Delacamina, also challenged me to think about it as she felt my message and my work would have a greater impact or reach if I added speaking to my business model, let alone the revenue benefit that that could bring to me. She challenged me to start by publishing a basic speaking page on my website and listing a handful of topics that I could speak about. And she also encouraged me in our final session together in that series to start identifying some events or people that I could pitch to for speaking gigs. Now, I did the former. I launched the web page and included some speaking topics, but I avoided the latter. <laughs> I didn't pitch anyone. I was still resisting the idea. I was still really fearful. Then one day, an email landed in my inbox from CQ University, the university I did my Bachelor of Psychology with honours through. They invited me as an alumni to speak at their staff conference on the topic of resilience. For the first time in a long time, I paused and I observed my inner critic. I became aware of some of the fears that came up for me and the stories that were connected to those fears. I get too nervous, they'll notice how nervous I am, they'll think I'm a poor quality speaker, they won't like what I have to share, I'm an introvert, I don't do crowds, <laughs> I'm terrified, I might stuff this up so bad that I won't be able to show my face at the university again, things like that. I reflected on the things my negative voice has said to me before I've walked up to the stage in the past too, the physiological sensations I feel, the concerns that I'll forget what I have to say, 
or that my mouth will get so dry that I won't be able to speak anymore, that people won't receive me well, that they might find me boring, things like that. Then I transition to the second step in this process, which is to assess. In the past, I wouldn't have got to this stage. So in the assess stage, I ask myself questions like, are the stories I'm telling myself really true? Are they a full truth? Are they a part truth? Is there any evidence to support that they're true or not? Heck, yes, I will get nervous (laughs) and the audience will very likely notice how nervous I am. So there was some truth in my story, but evidence shows that I've survived those nerves in the past and I have got wonderful feedback. I know that my views on these topics have supported my clients, so why couldn't they be beneficial to a larger audience when I'm speaking? Overall, when I started to examine the evidence and assess the validity of what my inner critic was saying, I was able to recognize that it was potentially telling some porkies and it was definitely at least being melodramatic. Now, the third step is to reframe. What is an equally or more plausible outcome or truth? What is a more healthy or helpful reframe. If I was my most confident self, what would I say? Naomi, being nervous is okay. Some of the best speakers in the world have a fear of public speaking. I can still deliver my keynote with integrity through those nerves. I can't control whether others like what I have to say. I can control what I say and the rest is up to them. Heck, I might even enjoy myself. (laughs) And who knows, maybe some of them will enjoy it too. Then the final step in the process is to act. I find that if I don't do that part, the cycle rarely breaks. I stay in this fear-based part of my brain rather than moving through to the solution-focused part and I don't move forward, nothing changes. So I like to ask myself a few questions here, but the big overarching question that I ask is what is one thing, one thing that I can do to move forward? In the example I'm giving, The one thing was to say yes to the university gig. Saying yes and trusting that I would figure the rest out later. And then if I'm still fearful or I'm ready to move forward in a much bigger way, I break this stage down into three parts, before, during and after. So what can I do before the fearful event or before a predictable trigger around those negative thoughts happen? What can I do before a speaking gig? I hired a public speaking coach, Geraldine Barkworth, to teach me some strategies for better managing those nerves and those physiological sensations that I was feeling so I could feel as prepared as possible as it approached that speaking gig day. 
I asked the venue organizers a lot of questions about the room setup, the equipment, the number of people, the agenda, whether they would be introing me, everything and anything that I could think of that would help me feel like I wouldn't get caught unawares that day. I prepared and I prepared and I prepared. I knew what I wanted to say so well that it was ingrained in my bones and it would be near impossible for me to forget. I printed a copy anyway to ensure that there was a backup if there needed to be. I took a bottle of water out with me in case that fear around the dry mouth and being unable to talk throughout a 45-minute keynote actually became a reality. So I took the time to really plan and work through the things that my inner critic said and try to prepare for what I could do to help combat these or to help me feel a little bit more safe around them before the event. The next part was during. I planned what I would do on the day, for example, if we keep going with my public speaking case study. So I would plan what I could do on the day to try and stay as grounded as possible. You know, I could focus on my breath. I could focus on being really present and actually listening to those who are speaking before me or those who are standing with me or sitting with me beside the stage. And rather than pretending to listen and really be in my head panicking, actually focus on being present and listening to them. I knew that what I could do and one of the things I still do when I speak, when I arrive at a venue, I look for my exit routes. So I know worst case scenario, I can make a run for it if I need to. And then when I got up on the stage, I would tell myself, I can take my time to start. Ground my feet, take a deep breath. Remember, these are real people. (laughs) They're likely rooting for me to succeed. Remember to just be me. I don't need to be perfect. Being vulnerable is important and showing this, especially when talking about a topic like resilience, is a strength, not a weakness. Remind myself it'll get easier with time. And nowadays, I also remind myself that I must be doing okay because word of mouth, I don't ever reach out for public speaking gig. It's all through word of mouth referrals and I'm getting invited to come back time and time again. And then the last part was after. So for me, working through a big fear or through some really stubborn negative thoughts can be super exhausting. And I'm sure it is for you too. So I like to ask, what can I do after that event to take care of myself, to recharge, to acknowledge my progress and to maybe even better prepare myself for next time that that trigger or fear or thought comes up. So for me, being a extreme introvert as well, I need to have quiet alone time after a speaking event. If possible, I need to spend a day or two with no clients, just focusing on refueling. I can add the testimonials to my website and consciously use them to remind myself that I did good. I got through it and I will again. And if needed, I know I can reach out for more support if I need it to continue moving forward. 
So in the example I've been given, I am still today, a couple of years later, and many speaking gigs later, terrified of public speaking. I still go through this four-step process every time I accept a speaking gig. It's just I go through it a lot quicker now and it's less exhausting than it used to be. I no longer feel like I need to see a speaking coach, for example. I know my formula for getting through the event. I know the things I need to do to feel more prepared and to feel okay. And I have so much more evidence now for when I get to the assess stage because I have previous gigs and amazing feedback and those word of mouth referrals to remind me that I'm going to be okay. Now let's quickly summarize those steps again. Number one, become aware of your fears, the stories of the inner critic and what triggers them. Number two, assess their validity and truth and search to see if there's any evidence to support whether they're true or not. Number three, reframe in a more healthy or helpful way. Number four, act. What is one thing, one thing that you can do to move forward? And if you need to, break it down into before, during and after. What can you do to prepare and take care of yourself before, during and after? Then as I said, you'll find if you continue to use this process, it'll start to happen really naturally and it'll feel less daunting. And if it's a fear that doesn't go away or hasn't gone away yet, you'll be able to go through this process much more quickly and you'll be able to build on it over time. Now, if you're willing, I would love if you would block out five to 10 minutes to think of one fear or one negative thought that you know your inner critic likes to put on repeat and try working through this process. If you're willing, I'd love if you would then let me know what fear you worked through and maybe what your one thing is that you're going to do. You can do that in the comments section on the show notes or on social media. Tag me at Naomi L. Arnold, hashtag dream for others. And I should probably note here, if you're going to focus on a fear Focus on one that you actually want to work through. (laughs) Some folk are of the opinion that we need to conquer every fear. And I'm not like that. I have a fear of heights and I would fear jumping out of a plane. But at this stage of my life, I have no desire whatsoever to overcome that fear. Who knows, that might change in the future. But right now, I personally, and you might disagree, and of course that's okay, I personally don't feel like I'm missing anything. If this changes and I feel like I am missing something and I really want to get over that fear, I will use this process to help me do that. But right now, I only use it for things that I genuinely want to work through because I feel like they're getting in the way somehow. Of course, this is going to be different for all of us. You might have no desire to work through a fear of public speaking. But maybe every bone in your body wants to get over your fear of heights so you can jump out of a plane and feel that adrenaline and see the sights. And that's great. That's great. Be true to yourself. Finally, don't forget that you can get that free one-page infographic from my website, 
in the show notes or on my free resources page that summarizes this process. It's handy to print off and put in your journal or pin up on your desk or somewhere that's easy to access so you can use it very quickly in the moment when a fear or thought pops up. Plus, if you know anyone who you think this episode might be useful for or you think that infographic might be helpful for them to use, of course, feel free to forward it on to them as well. I hope this episode supports you in some way and I can't wait to hopefully see you put in the comments or on social media what you're working through at the moment. I would love to see and support you there. Talk to you again soon. Are you finding this content useful? Imagine having Naomi in your corner all year for monthly one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited email support, and business resources. Visit naomiarnold.com forward slash coaching for details.